Hello and welcome to Volume 1, Issue 27 of the Cane and Rinse podcast. Uh, between April 2009 and February 2011, publisher Axis Games, Arc System Works in Japan, released Gaijin Games' WiiWare Sextet documenting Commander Video's Soul Quest, or Soul Quest. The titles continue to be repackaged and ported across other platforms, and in this issue we review the entire series and question whether or not they remain worthy of investigation. My name's Leon Cox, and joining me on this issue, Darren Gargett. Bonjour. Once again, and once again, Joshua Garrity. Hello there. Hello, everybody. So, um, slightly more obscure selection this week, some might say, um, but uh, that's that's what we're all about here at Cane and Rinse. Um, I bought the f- Bit Trip Beat, the the first game on the day of release when uh, when it first came out on WiiWare in two thousand and nine, and I've bought most of them I think on day one ever since. Uh, maybe left a couple of them a bit later, um, but I hadn't really put much time into them until preparing for this podcast i've now played uh, i was looking at my wii stats and i've played bit trip beat for something like seven hours and each of the others between sort of four and six hours um now one of the things that we said at the start of cane and rinse was that when we came in to talk about video games particularly story-based games we would finish them before we talked about them because we wanted to get away from that uh concept that uh, the the newest thing is always the most exciting and you play the first level and games aren't always consistent throughout Um, now I think we're just going to have to say straight up that there's absolutely no chance that any of us have finished all six bit trip games am I right? that is correct impossible Yeah. Uh, has anyone managed to finish any of them? I came so close really? which one? Um, the the platform one runner runner okay now that is impressive because I haven't managed to beat the first world on that one uh, I'm on the penultimate level before the boss oh yeah that one yeah, uh, I don't want to skip ahead too far but no we'll we'll talk about right well that's that's very impressive um, that you've got to the latter stages of runner um, and Josh any did you get come um, close to yeah I I got uh, not as far as Darren but I got pretty far into runner as well. Okay, right. Uh, fair play. You did better than me on Runner, both of you. Um, I I think I probably got the furthest on Fate. Uh, but, yeah, well, uh, maybe Beat as well, actually. But anyway, so uh, Gaijin Games, obviously. Uh, Gaijin is a Japanese word for a Westerner. Is that right? I honestly don't know, to be honest I believe, with you. I believe it's like a term, a, a, a mild... A mildly derogatory term for a Westerner who's out of place in Japan, something like that. Um, they're based in Santa Cruz, California, and uh, they're headed up by Alex Noisy, uh, who used to work for LucasArts and Activision. He's their designer and he's their CEO. Uh, this, the, all these games in the series were made by the same team. Chris Osborne is the engineer, known as Engineer, assume he's, that's a programmer, I guess. Uh, Mike Rouch, or Roosh, is the artist. Um, he's the single and sole artist in the company. Um, and they were augmented by uh, one Danny Johnson for the last two games, Bitrip Fate and Bitrip Flux, at the end. Um, I don't know so much about that dude. Um, the other uh, consistent throughout all six games is Petrified Productions, uh, the music people, um, known as Matthew Harwood. Um, known as Petrified Productions, also known as Matthew Harwood or Matt Harwood. 
Uh, he's done music for all sorts of games, including the uh, Behemoth games, Alien Hominid and Castle Crashers, as well as uh, for Chaos uh, Studios, Frontlines, Fuel of War and Homefront. Um, and he did all the in-game music for the BitTrip games. And uh, we'll talk about there's there's guest tunes on each of the six games by artists, five of which I'd never heard of pretty much. Um and Animataguchi on Bitrip Runner, but their contribution is, in fact, on each game, it's the title music and the credits music. Uh, and many people will never even bother to click on the credits music. So, in fact, for a lot of people, the the guest artists, you're only, I, I reckon, probably only hearing like maybe about thirty seconds of their music. Whereas the under-promoted Petrified Productions or Matt Harwood, the music's absolutely integral to the game experience in that they are sort of synesthetic rhythm action games to each one to a varying degree mm, yeah the music is throughout the whole well I, I've, I haven't played it in game i haven't heard the music in game but the cd you get with the wii version called bitchip complete is um oh you get like 18 tracks and every single track is just incredible i listen to it on my way to work um just you know every now and again and mm. every one i get pulled into and i just think to myself if i was better at this game I could probably hear that in game, <laughs> and it's <laughs> yeah. a shame that I don't get to hear it alongside the gameplay. Because with Bitrip Runner, uh, there was a point in Bitrip Runner where I was just in the zone. I, I had the Zen moment of Bitrip Runner, Runner, and I was just clearing levels after level. And I felt like it became sort of platform hero in the fact that it's a platform game and guitar hero that I was pressing buttons that matched the things on screen, and yeah. I was sort of creating music along with it. And there was a definite sort of oneness with me and Bitrip Runner. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think the way they promoted it with the the, mu- the guest artist being sort of uh, out front and centre on a lot of the promotional stuff makes you... And I, I don't know whether it's a little devious to make you think that these guest ar- artists who presumably have a fan, fan bases of their own, particularly Anna Managuchi, the Bitrip Runner, but the in-game music is not by them. It's it's by the same guy who does the music for all all six games and does a fantastic job. So I kind of felt there's a slight lack of justice there for the uh, mm. the man who actually put in the put in the hours, as, as it were. Whereas the licensed tracks are just that they're they're they I think they're they're mostly not written for the game. They're from you know they're they're appropriate sounding artists and they've been kind of bolted on to the front end. And as I say, the credits, which I'm the kind of person who looks at, looks at the credits list on a game, but I I don't know what the actual percentage of gamers who click on the credits and watch them are. I reckon it's very, very, very low. Yeah, it's minuscule, really. Yeah. So it's a strange one. Um, yeah, so I bought the, each of these or near or around the time uh, they were released on WiiWare. Um, we'll talk about which platforms they've come over to since then. They tended to be around between three and five pounds a piece. Um, but now there's a compilation, a disc-based compilation for the Wii, which you fellows both have. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what does what does that package consist of, Josh? Um, so you've got all the games in the uh, saga so far, um, and you get a, a few unlockables with it as well. With completing it, um, uh, Darren was talking to me about um, some of the letters that you unlock that are like store, give some story context to the game. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, it's there's not much else to it. Um, it's fairly cheap though. It only cost me fifteen quid to buy the Wii version of it, so it's a good value yeah. proposition. Yes, the WiiWare service doesn't have sales, so that is the way to buy it now, um, because it would still cost sort of, I think they're 
on average about 500 or 600 Nintendo points apiece. Uh, so that would be a much more expensive way, I guess, about twice as much to buy each game individually. Um, obviously, the advantage would be that they'd be sitting on your internal memory or on your SD card and you wouldn't have to pop the disc in and out. But uh, but because you get a soundtrack as well, I'd say it's worth that worth that hassle. Um, and yes, these unlockables. Now, I was before we get on to the first game... Uh, there are sort of uh, interlinking scenes at the start and between levels. Um, of course, lots of the between level ones I've never seen, you've never seen, we're never going to see because the games are so hard. Uh, but they do seem to link the story together in some kind of uh, with some kind of narrative. Now, as based on the uh, Gaijin website, it talks of command the character Commander Video, who is who you actually visibly play as in uh, Runner and Fate. Um, but I understand there's these unlockable letters which explain roughly what's supposed to be going on in each game. Um, the start of the first one is... Uh, well, it's a... Yeah, each game in the BitTrip series represents life moments in a human's existence. In this case, Commander Video's existence. Uh, and then there's a letter, an unlockable letter for each game, uh, of which you've unlocked all but one, Darren. Not because you've finished them, but because, what, do they just unlock cause you, when you start them up or whatever? Yeah, I heard that to unlock all the letters you have to place on the leaderboard, which is a far more under, <laughs> you know, reasonable expectation of the player. Just, just place on the leaderboard and you'll unlock the letter. I'm like, oh, I can do that. But for some reason, Core didn't unlock. And oh. um, I'd never found out the story beats for um, for Core. But the okay. letters themselves are, are actually interesting because the mm. game is so abstract like when, yeah, when you see so. the, I couldn't even tell what was going on in the cutscenes it was just no. bendy commander video yeah. wobbling around in different ethereal floating versions. in space yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you know at one point you see Super Meat Boy and you think what's he doing in here flies, <laughs> read, yeah, flies into the ground and explodes and yeah. yeah it's bizarre but then reading these letters and um, comparing them to the, the on screen visuals that you get um, they kind of make sense and uh, they are an interesting read we're not going to read them out on the show uh, because people may or may not be interested. Um, they will prob- probably available out there somewhere, but you know, well, be interesting to see if we actually recommend getting this set by the end of the the issue. Um, but just scanning through, uh, it's although uh, we go down these this well on Kane and Rinse quite a lot. It's hard to not to think that maybe these are a little bit uh, up themselves for what is a set of quite basic mm. rhythm action platform and platform yeah. and shooter games. Um, is there really that much going on? I mean, there's like, I know, you know, I noticed looking at the level titles in, in the game, things like in, um, in Bitrip Void, the levels are named after the Freud's three areas of the human psyche, id, ego and superego. So mm-hmm. um, having watched a few interviews with uh, Alex Noisy and the rest of the team, they certainly look like a sort of, you know, artsy hipsterish kind of bunch there's a lot of tattoos and piercings going on um whether this side of the of it means anything to anyone i mean obviously it's it's of some interest but it's not actually what people are going to go to these games for surely no i didn't i because it's weird reading those letters um uh now because i i didn't read them uh while i was playing the the game because i never really got a sense of all that stuff while i was mm. playing it um bitrip runner especially just felt like a really nice platform mm. game with a crazy aesthetic i never got any mm. deeper meaning 
maybe I'm <laughs> dumb, but you know, <laughs> I it just it just felt like an aesthetic experience, not so much something that had a point. Yeah, that's certainly. I I don't know if it needs this, um, and whether it. I, I suppose I suppose why why should we only allow serious somber games like Limbo and Braid to have a subtext? I suppose there's nothing to say that uh, more jolly retro tinge stuff can't be deeper and have something to say but it's certainly like in limbo the narrative actually the 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 actions of the character on screen and the experiences he goes through actually do say something to you to a human being whereas in bit trip runner you are jumping kicking jumping ducking kicking jumping ducking kicking <laughs> uh so it's hard it's a it's a it's a bit of a leap um, for it, I, I, as I say, I won't read out the whole thing, but just as an example, uh, Bitrip Runner's letter says, uh, Runner is the most literal game in the series. Commander Video has now made the transition into physical form. He's mastered his mind and has a grasp of what it's like to live among other beings. He is now ready to take on a real-world challenge. Uh, in the first level, Impetus introduces players to Commander Video's insatiable urge to challenge himself and grow. The lunar landscape represents the wonder that he feels as he embarks on this new journey. Um, yeah, I, maybe it's very tongue-in-cheek. It's hard. To, it's hard to say. Hmm. I, I do quite like it. Though. The fact they've gone to some effort to sort of put a backstory behind it. It's not just. Hmm. It's not just a thing they've done. Maybe it's bolted on after the fact, and they've made all these games and gone. We should tie some sort of thread through them to, you know, make them feel more of a series than what they did. Because gameplay-wise, they they pretty much all feel completely different. It's only the aesthetic and the, the you know and the sounds that they pump out that they they sort of link together. So it's quite nice to have Commander. I didn't even know Commander Video was like in a physical form in Runner and an ethereal form in Beat and this and that. It's I don't know. It sort of makes the whole thing complete, as the package suggests. It's coherent, yeah, some mm. kind of coherence. Um, yeah, the the so the people may be most familiar with i don't know beat just because it's been around the longest um if people describe it now you fellas uh, feel free to butt in and cut across me as i try and describe uh, the concept of each of these games if i'm missing something crucial out or whatever uh but this is the game that's known as a sort of rhythm action pong control in a traditional fashion uh, or, or or a breakout game it's actually a bit like um crack out there was a there, there was a spate of breakout clones following taito's arkanoid in 1986 87 um there was a home uh, uh an english gremlin graphics home game for uh you know c64 spectrum called crack out which was breakout on its side this this reminds me of that um on the wii in the original version 
you control the bat tilting it up and down with uh, the Wiimote. So you hold the Wii remote horizontally and you tilt it away from you to move the bat up the screen and towards you to move the bat down. Uh, meanwhile, these dots or beats, as they're officially known, come in from the right in general, uh, in time with the music um, and you hitting the beats with your bat or stopping the beats going off the screen rather than hitting, I should say, uh, creates the actual the, the chip tune melody um, and the beats themselves comprise of all sorts of different forms. So there's there's just normal ones that fly on from from right to left, but there's also ones that curve, ones that arc, ones that comes in a seri- series, ones in a big line, big fat ones, wavy ones. That's pretty much it, isn't it? Um, ones that bounce, ones that you have to hit multiple times to get rid of. And it's a, it's a strange mishmash in, ter- in, in terms of playing it on the Wii anyway, because the control is very, very analog. It's very sensitive, um, but the game itself and the sound is all very digital. And I, mm. I find it, um, of, of all the games, I've, I managed to complete the first level fairly quickly, fairly easily when I first got it. Um, I've still yet to quite get to the end of the second level of three. <laughs> um, it's, it's exceptionally difficult. Um, there's there's some uh, bonus uh, sort of sequences in the um, which uh, do such things as shrink your bat or double your bat up. Now you can avoid collecting those, but mostly if you if you avoid them, you're going to lose your combo. Oh. Um, and in some sections, if you I'm trying to think, is it no? If you actually if you miss the double bat one, you don't. Do you still get double the dots? God, to be honest, I've only only ever seen that power up once, and oh, I right. can never get that far again. <laughs> oh, okay. So oh, I actually got fu- I got further in beat than uh, than than you did. Then, yeah, I got pretty much towards the back end of the the second stage, which is called descent. The first is called transition. The third mysterious level, which I'd like to see, um, which I'll probably be reduced to a YouTube video, is called growth. Um, but yeah, it's it's. It's a fun game. It's very basic, um, but there's a lot of memory involved. I think that's true of most of these games. There's a, they, these are all, as well as a, a rhythm test and a, uh, a control test, in this case more than a rhythm test, um, muscle control, in that actually holding the Wiimote and not letting it get away from you as the dots fly towards you, that's the kind of real skill here, isn't it? Yeah, I really had. I I really struggled with yeah. the, the Wii Remote um, and its motion controls with, uh, with Beat. Because I didn't feel like I was entirely in control of of the paddle on the left hand mm. side of the screen, um, and I remember playing Beat when it first came out on the US shop because I'm one of those weirdos with an import Wii, and oh. I had it then. I was like, God, this is, this looks really good, and I really I, I love rhythm action games, and th- th- this is one of them. But the fact that it was sort of a motion controlled shmup in a in a in a weird way, it reminded me of like R type and stuff where things are coming in from the right and I'm on the left and I have to after match up and shoot them, mm. whereas in this case I have to bounce them back off. And I was just I was just wishing at the time and now that um I could use the digital pad and maybe that's because, you know, I'm I'm an older gamer, I'm like, you know, nearly thirty and I'm not down with this motion control arc. But um yeah, the the, the motion control, while it's not complex, it's still it's like when you play um, like Kinect games and stuff. You don't really know where the boundaries are of your arms in, in conjunction with the thing on the screen. And same with the motion control on, on Bitrip B. I didn't really know how far to tilt it up to mm. to match with the beats on the right hand side. 
Um, I'm glad you're saying all this, uh, Darren, because I feel exactly the same way. Mm. Um, I just felt like when I was using the Wiimote, sometimes I'd overcompensate Definitely. too much Definitely. and completely miss balls, or sometimes I do it too little and I'm, <laughs> I'm just short mm. of it. Yeah. Um, I just I think that game, for me personally, would be improved ten times if I had a more precise control mechanism, mm. but the motion controls just don't give me that precision that I want. I wonder if the 3DS version, because it's because of its lack of motion control, it has got motion control, but it wouldn't really work. Um, do you reckon the 3DS version? I mean, I haven't done I was, any research, but... I was going to ask, the, I presume that's touch control, uh, although oh. I don't know. Um, it's also This is this uh, is also available on iOS and Mac uh, and PC, so I, I assume you play it with the mouse on, on a PC. You see, that sounds so much better. Oh, no, I, I just want I want buttons and keys. I don't want mouse and touchscreen. Yeah, but that kind of, in a way, are you not taking away an element of the game itself there? I mean, part of of the game is learning that muscle control. And I think rather than that, because I I actually, you know, it does work. You don't need to sort of recalibrate the, the, the Wiimote all the time. It's quite, it's quite subtle and sensitive. It's not like, if anything, it's too good. You know, it's even without, it doesn't utilize Wii Motion Plus in any way. But those accelerometers in the in the Wii remote are actually really good, and you can be incredibly precise. And it it would almost benefit from being slightly less precise or slightly yeah. less responsive to your every movement. I think maybe, and this is a thing that's going to come up a lot. I think it's a real shame that to most people they will never hear or see the final level, but they could have. You know, the difficulty could have been very easily altered by simply making the default bat a little wider, you know? That's part of the problem I have with beat, is the difficulty, because the the bar on top represents how far you're progressing in your combo, so it fills up the more you hit the beats. But every time I missed a beat, I didn't feel like I was getting this, the, the... My punishment wasn't equal to the reward, so every time I hit a beat, I'd get, say, 1%. And every time I miss one, I'm sure it'd take off 5%, and then I'd end up in the, the very Atari-looking, like, monochrome... Yeah, bit, we should talk know, about that. Yeah, yeah, because it's sort of when you like when you lose quite a fair bit in a level, it takes you to sort of like a monochromy type um, graphical state and sound where all the sound comes out the Wii remote. Yeah, that, that's brilliant. Like, yeah. it's it's a bit of an insult because it's taking away all the fun stuff, and you're, yeah. and you're like, oh, I'm doing rubbish now. I'm doing really bad, and the Wii remote's mocking you by going blip, blip, and you're like, oh, come on, I need to pull it back. And during these bits, I you know I I fight as hard as I can with the with the motion controls, and I do pull myself back to like a. Um, like a super state or a mega state. I can't remember which one it is first. And um, yeah, well, let's yeah. explain that because this goes across in some form or other across all the bit trip games. So you have a standard state, which is standard, which is I think called hyper. Um, and above that, there's mega, and then there's um, I think in the first game it's just called multi or something. Um, mm. And your score goes up exponentially, and this is based on your combo. So the longer you go without missing, the more your I'm doing well bar at the top of the screen fills. But yes, you seem to be, if you have a, a short rush of missing, you can quite easily lose that entire bar and end up down into a nether state. Now you can protect yourself from going into the nether state, which is one step away from game over by getting higher up. So each time, each time you have a, a bad sequence of misses, you get knocked down one state. So you can ensure you can buy yourself some safety in all of these games by doing well for a long period. Uh, but it does seem that yeah, if you do have a run, and it's it's hard to explain. It's definitely worth looking at a video of of Bit Trip Beat in action. But 
it's not if you imagine just dots coming on from the right it doesn't sound that difficult it's not just about moving them up and down but they start coming on in these incredible incredible complex patterns and um they come out sort of in syncopated timing and so say imagine three dots will come on from the top right hand side of the screen and bounce and swirl about a bit before they come to the your side of the screen meanwhile you're fending off three or four large bricks on the other side of the screen um it's not easy it's and and visually it can be very confusing and it uh, the more you play it again you do actually start to remember where you're supposed to be on the screen at various points you can learn this game to a point but it's never going to be easy with the bat being that small and that sensitive it's just i i just found i just found the game like it just wasn't for me basically is what i have what i'm trying to say and it's sad because i do really like the music in the game and i i wish i'd heard more mm. how did you how did you get on with it josh and I, I I think my opinion is basically the same as yours. The the thing I liked about it is the music and the visuals. I really liked the way the sound was linked in directly with your interaction with the game. It made everything you do feel meaningful. Mm. Um, but when it starts throwing uh, loads of things at you, loads of different patterns, especially those balls that rebound oh, off the, your back uh, uh. and you have to hit them again... <laughs> just so frustrating yeah. um it it just ceased to be fun anymore and i and i preferred it when it was more of a visual audio experience and not trying to challenge me to the point of frustration yeah it, uh, that's something i think that probably to some degree or other runs through all the games and and it's interesting we'll come back to uh flux at the end which is a sort of return to beat but in the other direction but learning a lot of the things that the developer has picked up along the way, but yet it's still not really any easier at all. So, uh, yeah, that's beat. Um, it does also offer a four-player local component, multiplayer. I can't really imagine that. <laughs> uh, no, it, I'm thinking about it now. I haven't seen it, but I just think that would be the biggest mess of pixels on screen. <laughs> yeah. It would be bonkers, and I don't, I don't really know if it would make the game any easier. Does it have four times the amount of pixels? I'm not too sure, but... no. Um, I don't know. After a few beers, I reckon that could be yeah. quite good fun. But it's it's trying to get four people together to play this insanely hard yeah. pong yeah, mash up yeah. with music. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, you know the uh, the feature on the Wii where you uh, go into the Nintendo channel and recommend titles, and it gives you right, what's the age of the person who enjoyed this game most in your household? Um, you know, how much did you like it? Uh, would this appeal to casual or hardcore gamers? I was like, what do you fucking think? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I thought I'd give this to my mum to play. Because <laughs> she she'd start. go, because on so, on that one level she would go, oh yeah, it's kind of familiar because it looks the the aesthetic is is essentially like it's a sort of um, reimagined Atari two thousand six hundred aesthetic, and again that mm. sort of runs all the way through. In the the main elements of the screen are very blocky, but each of the games does have more going on in the background. There's some not particularly. Uh, high polygon uh, spheres and globes and things and again as the game goes on they get a little bit more sophisticated but you know my mum would say oh look it's like that that tennis I used to you know pong I used to play as a kid and then she'd be dead within probably about (laughs) 20 seconds well it's longer than me then yeah (laughs) so uh, yeah not the best idea for for um yeah I think I mean you have to treat all of these as a high score challenge but one of the problems I have and again this this is something they sort of address to a point throughout the series is that even the default high scores on the table are incredibly challenging. So 
combined with the sort of rather tense feeling of playing it where you feel like you're pretty much constantly battling against a game over rather than like in a you know in a great session of a of a music game like frequency or rock band you know you're getting a, a massive buzz from from playing in time with the music this you're kind of going oh my god oh my god it's another dot um and uh yeah so the more the better you do your scores do go up exponentially that's true in all of these games um they you know they have quite sophisticated scoring system which makes them good score attack games but because the default scores on the high score table are so off-puttingly vast um like i know how good a gamer i am through years of gaming i'm i'm about an i'm an average gamer i'm better at some genres than i am at others i'm i'm all right at rhythm action i'm pretty good i can play guitar hero and rock band on expert you know on guitar and i'm pretty good at platform games i've got all 96 worlds on super mario world open and and things like that but these games are definitely really really hard it's not just me you know the three of us we're all experienced gamers we've all struggled um it it is a bit mystifying as to why they thought it would be a good idea to lock out so much of these games to so much of their audience. I think what they should have done is they should have just handed it to someone outside of the Gaijin Games' offices and just gone, look, can you play this just for a night? <laughs> and then when they hand it back to them and go, look, I couldn't get past the 30 second mark and you know you might have to turn it down a bit. It feels like it reminds me of when oh, uh, it reminds me of when I used to test a game. Uh, mm. It was a kids' game. It was a kids' game for the Wii, and uh, because we were in our own little bubble of like competing with each other, yeah. we were amazing at it, and we were like, you know, getting the high scores. But then we didn't realise that when it went to retail, that it was the hardest game in the world. And like, I checked on the Play dot com reviews, and it was like, yeah, this level in this game, it was really hard for my kid. And we were like, oh my god, yeah, we mm. we totally focus tested ourselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not- that is one of the most common things. It, it used to happen all the time in the eight bit era. It's one of the reasons that retro games are harder. Be- was because they were that you know you didn't have focus testing, you didn't have QA teams. You you mm. the, the people who were programming it played them, and maybe the people around them they had high exposure to them and they learned all the ins and outs um and obviously i understand that maybe part of the whole aesthetic of the bit trip series is that they are difficult because they are retro-esque but again there's a balance to be struck where it just seems self-defeating to lock out so much content to to most people hmm, hmm. so next came core uh beat was first released in april 2009 that's not every release date but that was its first release core came uh, just uh, a few months later in august This one's only available on the Wii and 3DS. The music guest this time was Bubbly Fish. Uh, this also offers a two-player local co-op. I can't imagine how that works either. <laughs> uh, so in core, you control a crosshair where well, you don't actually control it. You you control pretty much a D-pad. Uh, mm. you, you can aim in four directions and you can fire a beam. Um, the only other control is a bomb, which I never remember to use, mm. uh, which clears the screen of beats. That was obviously a concession to people having said that beat was ludicrously hard um but overall if anything core is harder than beat i would say yeah yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I I I really don't like this game. I'm I'm just going to straight up and say I do, I I don't like core at all. I think it's unreasonably yeah. difficult. Mm. Um cuz before at least would be like I can understand someone being able to complete it. It was just beyond my abilities. I I felt like beat was possible to <laughs> defeat. Core feels like I'm trying to play beat like uh, like four versions of beat at the same time because you have uh, balls coming from like four directions and you have to fire a laser to hit the uh, balls uh, but like you have to keep an eye on all these directions and I just couldn't keep up with it at all um, I some expert player of course will probably tell me oh no it's easy once you get the hang of it but I felt frustrated every time I attempted to play this game and I, I never want to play again it the Practice is is pay, pays dividends. You can learn the sequence, uh, but the sequence over the level. I mean, how long do the levels take in this? They're, they're they're the length of the tune, effectively, which tends to be about what ten minutes, maybe more. That's part of the problem with most of the games, apart from Runner. The levels just go on for just too long. And well, I, I think Runner as well, personally, but we'll oh. we'll come to that. <laughs> um, no, uh, yeah, I just think um, yeah, all the levels just run on far too long, and they don't offer you. I know it's probably their design choice not to give you a checkpoint apart from Void, which does offer checkpoints and continues. But I think and for the flux. most part, oh, and Flux. Um, yeah, I just think for the most part, it was just like, yeah, let's give them a 10 minute challenge, make it rock hard. And now nah, if they die, then like, they're treated like an arcade machine. If they're not going to bother to put another 10p in and they don't get another go. And like playing the game again felt like putting another quid in. It was that sort of like, yeah. oh, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I just don't want to do it, especially with Core. As much as I love the design, it's just rock hard. So, yeah, the first level is called Discovery, and ironically, I have no idea what the second and third levels are called because I've never seen them and I didn't look it up. <laughs> so the concept remains that there's the nether state and that game over. Um, you get to see the nether state rather a lot. You can drag yourself back to a hyper state. It goes up to mega and super. Um, there are some, there are quite lengthy sequences which are quite doable. Um, it's all about pressing a button in time with the music in the same way that it is on Rhythm Tengoku or Guitar Hero or anything like that. It's it's no different from that other than you have to aim one of the four cardinal directions at the same time. But it is the the difficulty is to do with again, it's the the way in which it brings the beats on screen and the angles from which they come. I also think there's a real problem with this game being in widescreen because the uh, the horizontal plane is much longer than the vertical plane v- visibly. Mm. So, uh, but the timings are the same. So, it, there's an optical illusion sort of thing where well, I don't know if it's, I don't know if that's right, but um, it would basically what I'm trying to say is it would be much easier if it was in a square playing area because everything in the game is built around being in this square you know, four corners of the screen kind of thing. Yeah, it needs to be equal to make the rhythm make sense because yeah, if exactly. bits are coming in from the left and right, so, you know, the, the the wide screen, then they seem like they're travelling quicker because it's a longer it's a longer coverage to the music and then the ones from the top and bottom obviously have a shorter distance but, but they seem to be moving at the normal rate, if you know what I mean. That's exactly, uh, yeah, well put, that's what I was trying to say, but failed. Yeah. 
It just throws you off completely. I agree. Yeah, and uh, and again, some of the movements of the beats and the places they come from, and they're completely unpredictable. Some of them move left, then right, then jump about. Some of them disappear. And oh my fucking god, I can't believe they actually did this. But one of the bonus modes, the first bonus mode, you think, oh, this is great. You get a twin laser. Brilliant. This actually allows me some chance of going wrong as it were and and there's things coming from you both sides but it's cool because you've got a twin laser which uh so <laughs> so two axes are being um completed at the same time but oh my god then it does one later on which rotates your fucking crosshair 90 degrees yeah. <laughs> that's just an absolute kick in the cock like yeah. I, I was just, you know that's quite late uh, I, well I, I assume it's quite late in the first level um, but that's normally the point where I get game over. Now you can avoid, I think you can avoid going into that state. Uh, I forget, but, oh God, just, yeah. It, there are points where it's, it is fun and satisfying to play, but they're brief. And again, most of, most of the time is spent just panicking. Um, and that's not a pleasurable way to play a video game. <laughs> no, it's, just, it's such a shame that it, it starts you off, not, not in a boring state, but it starts off at the most basic. I'd, you know, for people like me, or, you know, all three of us that aren't very good, how about they start it off at its most exciting, like, you know, where the music's real kicking in, the graphics are flashy, because before I know it, it's game over, and I, I've probably never even seen the highest state, you know, the the, the climax of this the, of this game's sort of yeah. look. Yeah. It's, it's a shame, because I'm, I'm never going to see it. I'm never going to see it. Yeah, there's a couple of the games that I have seen the highest state, uh, Runner and Fate, um, and it's interesting that... Uh, oh, and Flux. So they obviously, again, it, it's interesting... That this startup indie developer, you you can see them learning throughout, but the games still remain pretty fucking brutal. So that's core. Now the next one, Void, came out just a couple of months later in October two thousand and nine. agree that this is perhaps the only truly unique game and the, the the game that's it's really it's not really influenced by obviously influenced by anything else I've ever played yeah no it it's really weird actually mm. um like the concept of having like a black ball <laughs> and well you could say it's kind of like Ikaruga yeah yeah um but uh, it taking it in a different. You're not shooting anything. You're simply just um, absorbing mm. those black balls of energy, and trying to avoid the white uh, balls. Um, and at first, it seems kind of simple. Because yeah. um, I thought the first uh, stage was actually I've, really. I've perfected the first uh, stage. The the uh, yeah the the first stage of three of the first level. I've got a perfect on that several times. But then, <laughs> but then, yeah, then it gets really. Yeah, hard. of course it does. There's a few more things we need to explain. So, yeah, you control a black dot, a low resolution black dot. Um, another thing that makes this game quite different to the others is that the background is kind of constantly pulsing, and when it's dark, it's quite dark, so it's quite easy to miss 
the black dots, especially if you're playing in a light room. Um, you're, you have full analog, this is the first game that uses uh, an analog stick. You can plug in a classic controller or uh, use a nunchuck on the Wii. Uh, you, you have full analog control over your black dot. And every time you absorb another black dot, and these are flying on now from all directions in all patterns, all around the screen, uh, as are the white dots, which you must avoid. You absorb the black dots, but every time you avoid a black dot, you get slightly larger and slightly slower. So the, the whole risk reward thing is that as you get bigger, uh, you can cover more of the screen. That's good, but of course you're f- way more likely because you're pretty much the size of the screen at mm. full whack. Um, and there are hundreds of little white dots emerging from all sides as well. So you have to avoid those. Now there's a way to keep your combo going, but as long as you haven't hit a white dot, if you press your A button, you revert back to the smallest size, but you don't lose your combo. Um, this is quite an important thing. So over the, the course of the, the three stages i think it's fair to say that it is still a tough game but it's not quite as ridiculously exacting as the first two games in the series like it feels like it's possible to get away with a couple of mistakes and because you have full analog control you can kind you kind of feel like you're you're not just the game's not playing you you're playing the game a bit more uh, maybe uh, this game felt uh, much more hard but fair um it it did give you some leeway uh, you could make mistakes and still carry on um and i found it quite fun mm. to be honest um it's beyond it uh, again it's beyond my ability like beat but i enjoyed what i played of it and um if it was a little bit easier i think i could actually complete it um and you know, again the presentation and the sound design was really mm. good mm, yeah this is my second favorite of all of them partly because I did the first level you know and I was like yes <laughs> yeah, I'm not too. totally rubbish yeah and uh, yeah. and when I first put it on I was just stunned by how basic but intriguing it looks it reminds me of playing a Commodore 64 game like mm. it's just it's just I don't know like just just blocks on a screen but they, they sort of move around and they, they sort of fit together it kind of reminds me of the bonus stages from runner where you go into like a like a, a pitfall type thing it reminds me of that because like it just looks like blocks on a screen but they all work together and mm. yeah it's, it's really it's really strange it's a really bizarre game to explain um but i love the fact it's a risk reward like how big can i get my big black dot uh you know to fit <laughs> to, to fit through the gaps of the white dots and uh if people haven't seen this game, I don't know what they're thinking when we're describing this, but <laughs> it is bonkers. Like the first boss, I thought was really, really exciting. Um, you, you're going upwards and you have to dodge through. Sort like of becomes lanes. a racing game, doesn't it? Yeah, it reminds me of like um, it's kind of like um, what's that top-down game like where you go into the lorry and you come out as a different vehicle, spy hunter. Yeah. yeah, it kind of reminded me of that, like a very basic version of that. There's lanes to go through, and if you got the wrong lane, you couldn't get the bonus yeah. or like the lorry and spy hunter. And I was just like, oh, I'm loving this. I, I I can do the whole game, but no, the level two come along, and I was just like, oh. Level two is absolutely absurd. It looks like it, it, visually, it's really cool um, because a lot of the dots now have trails, but they sort of so you'll get a screen of uh, of white dots will come on, and they'll leave it. They'll they'll be going around sort of like uh, light cycles, like Tron light cycles type stuff. They'll come on, and they'll be weaving around, and oh. in amongst all the white ones, there'll be one black one. <laughs> Like it's wiggling ridiculous. away, it's absolutely absurd. Mm. Um, and again, you could you could practice and practice and practice and learn it and learn it and learn it and give yourself the best possible chance. But again, I'm just we're going to keep saying this. I'm going to keep saying this, but I don't think that the investment of the, the of the games and and the rewards on offer are high enough to warrant the the amount of practice that you would need to actually get to the end of these things. 
I, um, I did appreciate mm-hmm. checkpoint and continue though. To, to be fair to Void, it was a. Uh, it was like, oh, I can continue. Oh my god! Like, it's, it's, it was like you can only get one though. Like it's not going to go too bonkers with the generosity, but and you, you have to earn it, nice. don't you? You have to earn a continue, or can you earn more continues? It, it sometimes oh. come up comes up when you're playing continue, plus one continue. Oh, uh, I so know. I think maybe it's possible to increase that. But of course, in a cruel twist, it also zeroes your score. So if you are on if you've got a perfect run on section one, which is entirely possible to do, but then you continue on section three, you lose your perfect run on section one. The score is null and void, so <laughs> it remains cruel. And again, there's a four-player co-op on this, mm-hmm. which I just again, is it the same levels or not? You know, this is this is poor of us. We don't know, but I had literally no way of finding out uh, for myself. Anyway, um, I don't. Maybe there's some video out there of people playing these games in co-op. I don't know. Judging by the manual, it says the multiplayer experience is Bitrip Void is cooperative with all the players sharing the same score and working together to progress through the game. Mm. So it sounds like you're all on the same screen. <laughs> but again, that just sounds like a cluster F of just dots. <laughs> like, yeah. like I, I can imagine that that would be great after like, you know, like three o'clock in the morning, you've had a party and you come back and let, let's just, let's just do some weird pixel dotage on the screen if you had full if 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 you had four full size black dots if it's actually possible for everyone to get to that stage you wouldn't be able to see anything and everyone no. would just be being hit by all the white dots that were coming on on the left <laughs> on the left right up and down on the screen uh yeah i mean maybe we're being unfair cuz cuz we haven't tried it and we probably shouldn't comment but again it's we've played enough single player to for for the idea of multiplayer to make us think what the fuck I don't think any of the other games uh, like these first three all offered multiplayer, but I don't think the second three in the series do. Do they? Hmm. Does Flux at all? Uh, Runner and Fate wouldn't make any sense to have a multiplayer. No. Um, um, Flux. Uh, I'm not, uh, apparently, I'm sure. Flux has a two-player option. Oh, it does. Okay. It's a cooperative option, and so does Fate. It has a two-player. Oh, okay. It's also cooperative. Yeah. Well, yeah, shows what I know. Um, again, hard to imagine, but. Um, yeah, good luck if you try that. Let us know how you get on. So, 
Uh, Void is cool, but really weird. Runner, then, is a way more conventional video game experience in a lot of ways. Uh, it reminded me, um, it will remind people more recently of things like Cannabolt. Uh, but it also reminded me of, there's a very old uh, Cosme game from about 1983, which was an 8-bit, 8-bit game. There was a Commodore 64 version, but it was completely different from the version I had, which was, uh, this, this is a game called Aztec Challenge. And the Atari 8-bit version was very, very similar to this indeed. Very similar. Um, Vib Ribbon as well. It's actually a lot like playing Vib Ribbon. Um, and it's even a lot like playing Moon Patrol, um, only you don't get to shoot you only get to kick so uh the screen scrolls very fast pretty fast from right to left you run from left to right you are now commander video on legs uh you have a flying kick and a duck and a you can spring off pads um this has the most sort of uh nods to other games and things the it uses things uh terms like bonus get um, and the, as, as you mentioned earlier, the, 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 the bonus level, which is pretty much exactly the same as the main game, but in the, with a audio visual style of, uh, an Activision Atari game rather than an Atari Atari game. A bit <laughs> weird. Uh, and again, that's sort of incredibly cruel because you can get to the end of, if you, if you, Basically, if you perfect the main stage, then you get to do it all again, but on a much mm. longer stage with more gold bricks. Um, but there's also... Um, this isn't to sound like, you know, you're rubbish, Leon, but uh, there is a Sonic reference in World 3 when he's running towards traffic lights and he stops and he does the skid like Sonic and it makes <laughs> the same noise. I was like, that's amazing. Like, And it kind of it kind of made me wish that they... That they'd gone down the Super Meat Boy route of giving you different characters to play as. Now, mm. maybe that would break the design of the game, but... If we could have like a Sonic in the game, or like a like, obviously there's copyright laws and stuff, but in my own little dreamland, I want I'd like to play a Sonic. They'd Donkey all have Kong to handle Mario. the same, though, wouldn't they? Because the game yeah. the game is how the player is is the character handles. It, Absolutely. It's, yeah. Again, it's it's it really is. If if everything that came on the screen had a noise, you wouldn't even have to look at the screen while you were playing it. If you saw what I mean, in that. Mm, oh, definitely. Every monster that comes on, every every obstacle, every little stalactite, every little brick thing on the floor, it's all it indicates to you is that you now need to your muscles need to kick in, and you remember to press either a certain direction on the D pad or the jump button. Yeah, it, this game reminded me of a game on the WiiWare that I hadn't played since the day I bought it. It was called Tamana Sana. Yeah, yeah, I played it once, and I was like, "This is mental," but and then I good. sort of left it alone. Yeah. And then I came back to it when I was playing Runner. I was like, I've got that other game that was made by Konami, I think it is. And it was just mental. And I went back to it and I was like, I'm a bit better at this, but I still, I st- I'm still no, no good at it because it was just, yeah, it was just weird. It was like a, a guy in a suit jumping over elephants and stuff. It was, it's awesome yeah, to Menacena. Yeah, I think that's also on iOS as is Cannibal. And, um, it's also not so dissimilar from the Mirror's Edge iOS game. It's, uh, they're all very similar sort of conceptually. Um, but this, uh, surprisingly enough, is really fucking hard. <laughs> Actually, this this game starts off a lot more gently than the other games in the series, yeah, wouldn't you say? Um, I, I actually found this the easiest out of all of them. Um, I got really far. I actually got to the third yes. world, which I didn't manage with any of the other ones. Um, um, I, really, I really, really like my time with it, and I think if I had focused purely on runner Mm. i might have actually completed it but i had the others to play as well um i i felt i felt like it was kind of 
this is, I always bring this game up, but mm-hmm. super Meat Boy-ish um, in that, like, it felt fair. Like, it never felt like I was being cheated out of something. It always felt like, ah, okay, I meant to do that there. Okay. The one thing that uh, pisses me off about it is Ugh, that if you make yeah. one mistake, just one mistake, you start that's all my, the way that's to my... the beginning again. And that got because my Because especially, the, the, like, the levels aren't all the same length. Some of them are quite brief. The music, I don't know what the music's like on World 2 and 3, but the in-game music on World 1 is fantastic, and it's incredibly uplifting. Um, and the way in which you uh, get your mode up in this game is that there are simply uh, a handful of plus signs to collect mm. on each stage. And if you get them all, you will get to the top end mode, which is where you have a rainbow streak coming out the back of you and the music's at full, full whack. And I'm not sure if we actually said, but the, the music gets augmented in all of these games, depending on which state you're in. So that's Mm. part of your reward. Um, but it's just so easy to just very slightly mistime a jump. This really is pixel perfect stuff or, or beat perfect stuff in the same way that. Uh, like some of the Rhythm Tengoku games are and one little tiny mishap rather than getting a duff note like you do in Guitar Hero or something is it's yeah it's all the way back to the start and some of the levels are really long and it becomes again it's 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 like a memory test and maybe maybe if I wasn't nearly 40 it wouldn't wouldn't be so painful maybe it's the it's it's your youth um, the, relatively youth in your case Darren but on it's keeping <laughs> you like on the right side of frustration with this because um uh, yeah the the main reason I didn't get off world 1 was because the penultimate level just I must admit I you know I've only given it like maybe half a dozen tries but I was just getting you know sort of 3 minutes into it and then hitting one little trip up and yeah. you're just like oh god I can't be bothered it, to do that again it really brings you down when you get Especially on that level, because the the way the chapters are designed are, it's quite short at level 1, and then by the time you get to level 11, before the boss fight, it's all of them put together, I do believe. And um. it's sort of, not all of them, but it's sort of, it's like like a uh, medley, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It puts them all together and it mashes them all up, and then you've learnt the skills to get through level 11 to fight the boss. Um I got to World 3 level 11, which is just insane. Um, <laughs> that there are times in World 3 where it starts chucking these pixels at you that are red, and they'll just come out of nowhere. Like, they always come from the same spot, but they'll come out of nowhere from either high, high up the screen, and they'll come launching down at you, or they have these purple ones, and... Yeah, so red, red always means jump, and purple always means duck. Is that right? That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, but then, like World Three Eleven and maybe Ten, they start putting these on the ceiling where you're running through a little cave. So it reverses it. Red now means sort of no, red means jump, but purple means slide, but in a totally different way. Oh. And it's like the offbeat. It's the offbeat that gets oh. you. And you're running through <laughs> this tunnel that's full of these th- linked of three dots red, three dots purple, three dots red, and it goes on for ten, fifteen seconds. And if your muscle memory screws up. On one night, you have to you have to turn the machine off and go right. I'm coming back tomorrow mm. because the way I've learned to do this is the wrong way, and there's no way I can do this because if when you get to one minute thirty through this level, uh, world three level eleven, and you you mess up on the first fifteen seconds, you just get absolutely infuriated because you know you can do this, but the more you the more you do it wrong, the more you get frustrated, and then yeah. then you do it wrong more. Yeah, and it just it it's a catch twenty two. You just can't win that way. 
And there's a Bitrip Runner 2. It's the first game in the, the se- series in the sequence to get a, a straight number two sequel in a Final Fantasy mm. style. And that's uh, coming to PC. I don't know about anything else. Um, yeah, I think it is just PC at the moment. Uh, Graphically, it's can- a totally different style, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's a bit more artsy, to use mm-hmm. that word. It looks a bit more like someone's drawn it. Mm. And um, from what I can understand, it has checkpoints now. Okay. Um, it has a, has a hardcore mode and a, a, a standard mode where there are checkpoints halfway through the level. Right. And another good thing about this game is at least uh, if you finish a level, which you will do the first few unless you know, you, you've got serious difficulties, um, you will get on the high score table. You will get to register your name. You know, it's mm. and and it's quite easy to set quite impressive looking scores, which again just gives you that impetus to continue on even when the game is, you know, bending you over. Um, which some of the earlier games in the in the Bitrip series don't have. Hmm. So this was uh, that was May two thousand and ten. That that was a relatively long gap between Void and Runner. I uh, don't know if the development cycle was longer, but certainly the graphics and things are. A, there's a bit more sophistication, for want of a better word. And that game is also available on as well as the three DS version. Uh, it's also available on uh, Windows and Mac. Um, and I have to say, uh, I I quite like the music of Anna Managuchi. I'm most familiar with it through uh, uh, what's his name Scott Pilgrim uh, but I think I, I just it really really sticks out like a sore thumb that title theme title screen music because I just don't think it sounds like anything else in the in the canon at all no the actual music in the game is quite well it all depends on how well you're doing with the you know the megas and the hypers and the ultra power ups yeah and it, it all builds but yeah the 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 front screen my music no matter how exciting it is to the you know to the ears it is a completely different to the well not completely different but in terms of like tempo and stuff it is just tenfold what the actual game is it's sort of it just it's like like kicking down a door it just busts like you know it just busts down a door and just starts noise everywhere and it's like really fast and really mm. loud I, I do really like it don't get me wrong mm-hmm. but um i feel like it's a little bit out of place yeah and that's probably why they did, they didn't put it on the cd because it it doesn't actually feel like it belongs there yeah i felt it was a bit shoehorned and maybe to get the name on there because they're one of the more yeah sort of well-known mm. nerdy chiptune core whatever I don't know what you call it. Uh. Um, uh, with World Three, did you find yourself not picking up the 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 hyper mega power ups to make the music calmer and therefore your nerves were calmer? Did, was that just me? Because I found every time I went hyper mega ultra, my I was like on edge. I I, I needed like coffee to keep me up, uh, you know, with this game because it's so fast paced. Um, I feel like I, I had to just ignore the power-ups um, because I, my cars, my, my cars, my nerves were calmed. Um, no, because I was incredibly OCD about <laughs> collecting all of that stuff, oh um, even the gold pieces. Mm. Which in the third world, I had to admit, like there was no way I was collecting all those gold pieces. But in the first and second world, I I would deliberately fail if I missed any of the gold or uh, upgrades mm. because. I'm like that with games, um, but no, I, 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 I don't know. It might be just my natural calm state. I was able to handle the uh, um, uh, the weird uh, over the top visuals in the third stage. I assume but, you'd be yeah. damaging your score potential by not going into the higher modes in, in massively. If, yeah. yeah, if that works the same way as all the other games, that's all about getting the high scores. You need to be in the higher mode. But yeah, I noticed from even from the the bonus stages on the first world, there's a lot of um, 
offbeat jumps that you small offbeat jumps. This is the first game where uh, obviously it's where you're controlling Commander Video and anyone who's played as Commander Video in Super Meat Boy will know that he has this sort of slightly odd uh, parabola that he uh, that he jumps in and he kind of stays vertical for a little while before floating down the longer you hold down the button and that comes into play in this but if you just stab the jump button he goes does a quick up and down and that becomes absolutely crucial in terms of collecting all the gold pieces I didn't know this to be honest until I got to world 3 oh. and I I had I had problems with you know when you're running quite high up in the level mm. and you have to jump along these platforms that are like it's just like the upper floor basically, and yeah. there's gaps in between these platforms. Mm. I always wondered why I couldn't make this jump ah. uh, in, bet- in between the <laughs> platforms, and I was thinking, well, in Meat Boy, he's got a glide. Why haven't I got a glide in this? And then it was only until I got to the World Three stages, and I just held the button down just out of curiosity, and he did a little fraction more of a jump, oh. and I was like, oh my god, I could have saved myself a lot of hair loss. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. That was daft, um, but you got there in the end. So uh, then there was another five-month gap after Runner, uh, and then Fate came out, and this is uh, perhaps up there with Void as one of the weirder entries in the series. Although it perhaps has more, there's there's more things that it obviously uh, relates to. It's kind of like a horizontal scrolling shooter. Uh, the screen scrolls from right to left, so you travel from left to right, um, but you don't have. Unlike Void, you don't have full screen movement. Uh, your fate, as it were, is dictated by a, a pre-described path across the screen, um, which I think is known as the Vibe. Um, and you can scoot along this left and right, but it's a bit like one of those uh, wire puzzles where you have to mm. drag the um, the little metal circle along the wires and round the loops and and down and round the twists bef- without touching the edge, although you don't have to do that bit, thankfully. I'm, I'm, the way Gaijin go about things, I'm actually quite surprised they didn't include something like that. But uh, you you only need to use left and right, but in this is so hard to describe, but in going left and right, you will find yourself going up, down, and around the screen. Can anyone put it better than that for me? It, it's kind of like travelling along a waveform. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, so like, imagine like a waveform and it sort of stretches out, and then you as Commander Video were tied to this waveform in the centre. And then you press left and right on the uh, nunchuck uh, analog stick to sort of go backwards and forwards along it mm. um, to your will. But it, yeah, it feels very restrictive, but not in a strange way. Yeah. So this in this game, uh, it's a, it's a shooter, and it obviously it knows its uh, legacy, and y- your hitbox is visible. So although you're quite a large character on a screen uh, with a big glowing surround, your hitbox is just a little uh, cross where your heart would be your commander video heart and that's the only thing you need to worry about anything else being hit of you doesn't matter whatsoever you're protecting your hitbox and you also only need to worry about enemy bullets of which there are quite a few and it becomes quite bullet hellish uh, a few levels in uh, they are only a problem when they are crossing the line so it's all about judging where you are on the line when those bullets are you know, working out their trajectory across the screen and whatever. Of course, there's lots of monsters uh, coming on the screen from left and right. We should explain how you shoot in this game as well. It's sort of a <laughs> twin-stick shooter, but you can also play it by pointing the Wiimote at the screen, which I've not tried. Have either of you tried that method? That's the only way I knew how to play. Oh, okay. I, I wonder if it makes it easier or harder. Uh, for me, it was just automatic, plug in the classic controller. The game it's most like, if it was, if I was going to liken it to any old game, is uh, Capcom's Forgotten Worlds. 
that was one of very few sort of um, space shooters in the old sense of the sh- you know shoot 'em up in mm-hmm. from the eighties where you not only had uh, on-screen character movement, but your characters in the original coin-up you had a spinner, so you could actually um, you could twist effectively like a second joystick. You could twist a name with it. Um, so uh, how how does the shooting work with with a, a in the light gun technique you can use you can even p- plug in your Wii zapper if you have such a thing <laughs> unfortunately i don't have a Wii zapper no. i must be missing out on that yeah. fun but yeah it, it pretty much works as you'd imagine like uh, the nunchuck controls come on a video on the, on the thread or the waveform and then the the you know you point and you shoot it's um very similar to the co-op experience in Mario Galaxy where you were to point and get the star bits it's sort okay. of like it puts a it puts a crosshair on the screen and you can just oh. you can just freely shoot wherever you want um that makes it actually quite a different game. Uh, I'm tempted to try that out. Uh, with a with the twin stick method, you simply yeah you fire out from your commander video in, mm. and you have you know uh, analog spherical aiming. Um, all the enemies seem to take quite a few hits, um, and the way that you mode up in this game, and you can get all the way up to Geiger or Giga in this game, where everything goes pink and you're really powerful, which is cool. Uh, is every time you kill an enemy or a block or an on-screen object of any kind, an asteroid, uh, a, a plus sign drops onto the, the, the waveform, the vibe, the line, and you have to pick those up, but they disappear quite quickly, and then it becomes, there's a risk-reward element where you're trying to scoot across the other side of the screen without hitting enemies or other bullets <laughs> to collect your, your plus signs. Um, it's, all in all, it's quite odd, but I think it was actually the one I in some ways enjoyed the most because I actually felt like I, again, it's more like I was playing that game rather than it was playing me, even though by its very nature, it's fatalistic nature. Um, your control is reduced compared to what it would be. I mean, it, the, the, it's really sedate, isn't it? The actual speed of the game is very slow in terms of the scrolling. If this was a shooter and you had full round the screen movement, it would be so easy, but it's, it's the fact that you're tied to the line in the middle. Uh, what did you chaps make of it? I found it harder than you. Um, okay. uh, I couldn't get past the second boss. Uh, okay. Uh, I think the uh, the second stage is called Patience. Um, yes, Determination is the first. Patience, Desperation, Frustration. Um, and I think there are probably two more after that. But I did actually manage to get up to the fourth level on this game. Um, yeah, I tried the second stage eight times and failed eight times. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I think this is mainly to do with uh, due to the fact that I am quite rubbish at shoot 'em ups anyway. So hmm. when I'm uh, restricted in my movement even more than I normally would be, it's even harder for me to get uh, get past Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I only just realised once you said it that my hitbox was that red dot. So I'm wondering Uh, if uh, I go back into it now, I would actually find it a lot easier. Um, I think you would. Yeah. Um, a lot, a lot of the bullets you don't even have to think about. You only need to think about the ones that are coming towards where your hitbox is going to be at the at the point they cross the line. Once you once you realise that, the game does get easier. Okay, I I think I should oh. give it a second try then, uh, just to see uh, if that information helps me. But I I, I found it uh, fun. Um, I I kind of put down my frustration to the fact uh, that I do lack experience with this particular genre. 
so that kind of didn't help things. Um, because you're it, such a bairn, such a wee yeah. youngin. Um, but <laughs> uh, yeah, but it seemed very confident. Uh, the shooting felt satisfying. The enemies didn't feel too ridiculous, apart from that boss. Um, yeah, and I liked that Super Meat Boy made a cameo, which was nice. Yeah, yeah. For, so there's this is this is the game with this has got actual power ups as well as the mode plus. Um, it's uh, every every few minutes, I guess, along along the uh, the level. There's a pickup, um, and it cycles between Meat Boy, who's kind of big fat laser. Uh, there's a Command Girl video, who is in the tradition of retro star video games, looks like Commander video, but is pink and has a bow. Uh, she offers a, something else. There's a little robot dude, which I, who I gather is from another game that I don't know, um, who fires long sort of toothpaste beams. Uh, and there's another power-up as well, sort of all multi-directional shooting. Mm. Um, and if you if you combine those power-ups with a, a high state, uh, a high mode, uh, like Ultra or Giga, uh, you really can clear the screen very, very quickly, and the game suddenly gets a lot easier. Uh, but conversely, uh, if you get down to the nether state in this game, one hit and that's it, you're out of there. Yeah, it is a, an incredibly tough to- a tough game and I didn't do any better than Josh I got to the second boss and I was just like I can't do this <laughs> I, I I think I tried three or four times and it just the, the, again the level time commitment is a, is a bit too much and while I enjoyed the pace of it being complete opposite to uh, Runner it's just so chilled out it's it's slow but obviously the on-screen bullet hell nature of it means it's hectic as well as slow um, mm. I, 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 I really enjoyed it and maybe I'm a bit bias towards Super Meat Boy, but I was waiting for the power-up for Meat Boy to come round because I enjoyed the big fat laser. Um, the, the way the power-ups uh, revolve is sort of like how Mario would choose his power-ups in those blocks where they had all the power-ups revolve, you know, like changing from one to another, so it'd go Mushroom, Flower, Star. Yeah. Whereas in this, it would be Meat Boy, um, you know, Mrs. Video, or what she's called, yeah, and, um, yeah. Robot Dude. Yeah, so just a, wait for Meat Boy. It's quite a traditional sort of 2D, old-school shoot-em-up thing to have... Um power-ups which float around the screen and cycling between choice of weapons going back to god yeah probably 1943 not the year the game <laughs> um <laughs> and stuff like that but yeah um certainly i think i made the best progress in it i think based on the screen on which you select your levels i think there are probably six levels uh, which is twice as many as all the other games uh well no not runner runner's got well, Runner's different because it's all divided into three worlds of 12 sub-levels. But um, yeah, uh, I, I could actually imagine myself getting to the latter stages of this one. Um, and again, it's it's kind of got, uh, it's sort of dubstepy this one, isn't it? The music, yeah, this, the in-game music. This, this game has one of my favourite tracks, if not my favourite, called Patience. Mm. It's, um, uh, they describe it in the letters as well, uh, as well as what I'm going to say, is that they this game, Fate, is... The, the dark is one of the lot, they say, and mm. it's really sort of angry and uh, not depressing, but sort of aggressive. And they said the game was really hard to design around this because the rest of their games are sort of like, you know, jolly fun fests, mm. really. Um, and yeah, the, the music for this is a track called Patience. Mm. It's absolutely incredible. I thought I was just listening to like a general tune off my iPod when it was on shuffle. And I was like, this is amazing. What is it? And I looked down, it was a bit trip complete artist. And I was like, well, that's incredible. Well, I think there's only one thing to do now in that case.
brings us all the way back to Flux. Now, Flux, in a way, is the least imaginative of the series. This came out in uh, February 2011, the first time. Um, as with Fate, it's only available at the moment on Wii and 3DS. Uh, and it is kind of a return to bit trip beat, uh, but you're on the other side of the screen. However, there are some... The controls are the same, so you're back to the using, tilting the Wiimote, so presumably... Um, all our problems in that regard are the same. Uh, first level is called Epiphany. Second level is called, I can't remember. Third level is called Catharsis. Mm. Perception is the second level, I believe. Um, there's a few little extra features. Uh, so there's now beats that you have to avoid, which are circular. Um, there's little bonus beats, which are sort of grey, and if you pick them up, you get a cute little chime from your Wii remote um, but they're optional obviously they can help you bolster your score uh, this game has checkpoints Way. so you only go back a little way when you inevitably fuck up but to sort of <laughs> counteract that uh, it throws way more dots at you way more beats yeah. and in way more elaborate complex and difficult to read patterns I actually I think I disagree with you on that point. Um, I actually found this game easier than Beat. Um, okay. I don't know why. Um, I felt like... I don't know how to explain it, really, but visually, I felt like I could understand uh, more where I needed to be um, positioning the block, mm. and, and the patterns of the uh, the beats didn't feel as completely confusing and complex as Bitrip Beat did but I that might Do you think maybe there's some more subliminal stuff as well as the stuff that I've mentioned the obvious new features um, and the things that the developer have learned throughout their time of making the other five games in the series but maybe there's also some stuff that I for want of a better term like signposting and stuff that's going on that perhaps makes it a bit more accessible Yeah I'm wondering if the left-handed and right-handed thing comes into play like if you're a right-handed person does is is flux an easier game i hate i hate going from right to left in this game it feels really it's not well i don't hate it i much prefer it feels much more natural to me to go from left to right left to right feels forward to me and right to left feels back Mm -hmm. which i gather is the point of this game if you go into the story is that he's kind of 
coming full circle. Um, and the cutscenes involve monochrome pong bats, don't they? I think, and there's something going on with that. But um, the other thing that struck me about Flux, there there isn't that much more for me to say about it, um, is that the I've only seen the first level again. I haven't managed to get past first level. Uh, the audio is sort of remix of the first tune in beat, and I assume that's true for the other two as well. Um, the, the returning uh, guest artist is it's the same as the first game, Bit Shifter, but again, their contribution or his contribution or whatever, um, her contribution, I have no idea, uh, is just the credits and the title screen music. But the game feels, obviously it is meant to be kind of more feel-good than other games the 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 names of the levels give that away um the backgrounds is kind of more it's more sort of uh sort of brighter and trippier and mm. um but also it feels because of the the change to the the main sounds when you actually deflect the beats is much much softer and it actually gives the impression of the the whole it makes the whole experience feel kind of more soft and friendly less again less sort of digital the synth sounds used are, are just that much more sort of warm does that mean anything anything to anyone else I, the the fact that this is basically if you're going to boil it down it's beat in reverse it sort of put me off i had, mm. I had a bad first impression of it i was like oh not this again <laughs> like yeah i i you know i struggled with it when when going left to right was easier for me and you know and making it right to left was just a total sort of pain like I, I can never get on with that, as you, Leon. Like when things come in from the left-hand side to the right, I just it, my brain just sort of melts down, and I, I don't <laughs> know why that is. I'm not too sure what's happening. So I didn't. I I gave Flux the least amount of time purely because it just felt like, mm. you know, it's like someone had, someone was playing beat in a mirror. That's what it felt like to me. And yeah. and yeah, the the visuals in the background were are more stimulating, and and like the sounds are nicer. But I. I wonder what their motivation was. Obviously, there's a story bit where, you know, Commander Video sort of regressing back to his former sort of form, but I wonder what their actual development motivation was for going back to this. I think it was to demonstrate all the things that they'd learned about the, the, the things like the checkpoints and the, yeah, the signposting or the, or the, the way the players led around the screen and the, the little factors like that. I think it's almost like, let's, you know, let's see how we would make this game now. I think the, the going back in reverse thing is almost a, a kind of red herring. I suspect that they wanted to sort of prove how far they'd come in that couple of years from the first game to this game. But I, I could be wrong. It's interesting to me that the, according to, uh, Game rankings and Metacritic, uh, Flux is by far the highest rated game of the, of six, all six. But that, I, I wonder if that's the sort of, um, return of the king at the Oscars syndrome. It's like, uh, are we kind of underrated all these games with their sort of sevens and eights? And maybe this, maybe they, maybe the developer deserves a bit of, you know, a, a round of applause for having done this sort of interesting sequence of games, you know, love them or hate them kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I find that odd. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a, it's a shame, but it's a shame that I didn't get on with Flux. I mean, uh, and I, I, I'd, while I, I do like the look of Runner Two, I would like to see them do more off the wall stuff. You know, no matter how much we spoke for the last hour and ho- however long, just saying, hey, we can't play these games because they're too difficult. Really, um, I still like them to do some more crazy stuff in in the future, which I'm not too sure, other than Runner Two, where they're going. No, I don't know. As I say, they've added. 
um, as as of the last year or so, they've added, or well, maybe maybe longer than that now, a, a second designer there. I don't know um, this Danny Johnson fella. I don't know anything about him, um, but it did seem to be that the studio was these three people, and mm-hmm. the game's design was you know, born out of the main guy, Alex Noisy. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if this new guy has anything sort of significant to add um but yeah i don't like i don't i have no idea how well financially they've done presumably they've done okay because they've made all six and they've they're now releasing them on uh, there's a 3ds cartridge and a, and a wii disc um but that said i you know i don't expect this show to be one of our most downloaded shows i think <laughs> there'll be a lot of people who'll be like what bit trip what I have to admit, I only know about the BitTrip series because he makes a cameo in Super Meat Boy. That was, mm. <laughs> that was a good move, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there was a point when in 2009 where BitTrip Beat came out and nobody had heard of Team Meat. Um, the difference was that they made Team Meat made a game which, although probably as brutally hard as, well, arguably as some of these BitTrip games, oh. uh, it also had a it had a lot of more promotional push behind it. It came out on XBLA, not WeWare and uh and various various other considerations like that. So to conclude our bit trip talk, I suppose we should uh say what we you know what we feel about the series as a whole. Is it worth buying the Wii disc for any reason? Would you recommend having a look at the uh the 3DS version or would you just say buy one or two of them on WiiWare or Steam or buy none of them because they're all too fucking hard. <laughs> it's um it's a tough it's a it's a tough choice really because the games aren't for everyone. Apart from maybe people who get on with Runner because it's the most traditional looking game. But I think even with Runner, as soon as you hit the first like lump of bricks on the floor for the tenth time and you're like, Oh god, I can't do this again. It's um it's a niche title. Like if we're gonna do the the, the bit ship complete as an actual sort of title, yeah. It's it's a niche title to play. But again, people need to do these kind of games to sort of prove that games are more than just shooting. And while this does have shooting in, don't get me wrong, but it's it's just something completely different and for seventeen quid, I know the value proposition thing doesn't you know, you shouldn't really put a, a monetary value on how good the game Especially is. Especially when you're only going to see a third of, <laughs> of it. Yeah, it's it's a strange one. Uh, but it is. I, I I don't regret buying it on uh, buying beat on the Wii and then paying money for it on the disc hmm. and uh, alongside all the other games because you get a fantastic soundtrack in there, which sort of cushions the blow. And I wonder if they <laughs> knew that when they were dishing out, like, oh, we can't sell this. We can't. We, let's put something on it. Uh, let's put a CD in there. And it's a beautiful CD, by the way. It's got a nice little rainbow come on a video colour on it. Yeah. And uh, I also wonder, you know, this, it may be, it's only just recently come out, this disc compilation, hasn't it? It's going to get, mm. it's going to be available cheaper, I would imagine, unless it's a very, very limited print run. Josh? Um, I have to say, uh, the entire BitTrip series, apart from maybe Runner, just aren't for me personally um i i would recommend it to people who want to see something a bit different and because um bit trip complete on the wii is really cheap it's 15 quid for a brand new copy at the moment um uh, from amazon um it is worth the risk because you get a lot of content for that amount of money um and the soundtrack and the aesthetics are really good but i I can't help but feel that 
each version of this, each kind of genre they're going for with each game, there is a better version you could buy elsewhere. Um, I feel like Runner, um, Cannabolt, and um, Jetpack Joyride are better versions of what Runner is doing. Um, Fate, there are you know hundreds and hundreds of uh, shoot 'em ups that are more worth. Not where your you're time. tied to a waveform. <laughs> yeah, well, that's one of the reasons why I'm suggesting other yeah, shoot 'em ups. Yeah, exactly. um, yeah. I mean, Void is the only one that I feel like is really really unique um and maybe that's worth buying but this this collection is not for everyone um i i can't recommend it for everyone but if you if you are one of those gamers who really want to challenge it's worth checking out yeah i, I obviously it's it's kind of like darren says i i think it's really good that these games exist, that this developer exists, that they're doing this stuff, but I wish they'd made some different choices as regards to the games themselves. Like, I love high school games. I like retro-themed games. I like games with cool chip tunes. Um, I like everything about this, except the fact that it's so punishingly difficult. Um, I would much rather that in every single one of these titles, they'd made it that your score was punished and not your progress. If you If you fucked up... Let let you let the player get to the end of the level, the end of the stage, see everything that's on the disc, but have a high score table, have a, have exactly the same high score system, but albeit one that's punished by your failing. So if you trip over eighteen bricks on a level of bit trip runner, you'll end up with minus four hundred points, whatever. That's you know that's fine, but that my motivation to go back, it's just so just haven't got the patience all the time to keep doing the same sequence of games over and over and over again. Even if they are, you know, every, every game in this series is playable. Every game in this series to some degree is fun, but they're just too punishing. Um, I think to buy the compilation of six games and the soundtrack for 15 quid is certainly not a terrible investment, but I strongly suspect that, uh, as with many, many, many people who have purchased these individually on WiiWare, people will not see probably more than about 15 to 20% of the total of the games. And that's, that's a real shame, especially when there's all that effort gone into the actual design of the, the beats coming on the screen or the waveform or the music. It just seems completely self-defeating when it would have been a better game, in my opinion, to make it a pure high score chase rather than a, a progress uh, well yeah a, a lack of progress uh, I, I think the, the high score sort of analogy you're going for or like not an analogy but like you know the actual high score method you're talking about of losing points works for all of them apart from runner and I'd suggest instead of runner locking you behind level 1-7 and you can't do that so you don't get to see 1-8 they should have done the Meat Boy approach which obviously you know they couldn't see into the future and see how Meat Boy did it but Meat Boy allowed you to dance around levels as you, you know to your will like okay I can't do 1-6 but how about if I go ahead to 1-7 uh, excuse me Let's, uh, I'll go to 1-7 and uh, if I can do that one, maybe I can get some skills to go back to 1-6. Um, Meat Boy only locked you out by, if you didn't get the bandage, you couldn't then enter the dark world. Mm. And um, mm. I think that's a really clever idea because you're, you're never penned, you're never in a pen, like, you're never locked behind a gate because the developers say so. Like, you can all, the challenges in Bitrit Runner actually do this. They, you have five challenges and you can go to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. And you can dance around any of these five and you can come back and you can swap around. And I think the level design 
you know, the progression level design in Bitrip Runner should have done that, mm. where you had the whole of World 1 to play around in. And if you, when you cleared them all, you could fight the boss. But obviously going to level 11 wouldn't make any sense because you're not good enough. So Yeah, I guess it's a matter of taste. I would have preferred a system where, say, Commander Video started wearing trousers, a hat and shoes. And if you if you were still wearing them all at the end of the level, you'd get 150% points. If you took one hit, you'd lose your hat and take 100 uh, you'd only get 100 percent, and yeah, and so on. Some kind of system like that where you could take knocks. Um, maybe if you took four hits, that would be it, game over, something mm. like that. But up until that point, taking hits just reduced your score, so you got the motivation of going back to improve to to get the full to get the full 150 percent points or something like that. That I would have personally preferred that, but something, just something to make it <laughs> yeah. more forgiving and accessible. Yeah, I think would have been a good idea. That's the thing I think I take issue with, especially Runner, is that it doesn't do a lot of things to relieve some of the frustration. Um, Super Meat Boy uh, feels like it's designed, uh, it's really hard, but a lot of things about it are designed to relieve some of that frustration. For example, Mm. the levels are barely 30 seconds long. And the music never starts from the beginning again. It just carries on and it's instant reload. Whereas Runner, the music always starts from the beginning again. Yeah, and it kind of has to. Yeah, but it's still But the levels are too long. Yeah, I I think the levels are too long towards the end of the the first world anyway. And yeah, Mm. as as for the later worlds, well, frankly, they can fuck off. I'm probably (laughs) never going to see them. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. We each did better in in different games, um, depending on our preference and genres. Mm. But um, well, we will uh, when this show comes out. I will tweet uh, Gaijin and see if we can get some attention from. Him, see what they say. Maybe they he would even like the right to reply about the insane difficulty of their their cutesy mm. retro themed rhythm action games. But uh, we shall see. So to round up this issue of the podcast, don't forget to check out the Kane Rinse periodical. That's your uh, iBook, iPad thing and PDF. And issue two is coming very soon. Editor Jay Taylor is working on it. Uh, Forthcoming show topics for this podcast include next week, Metal Gear Solid. It's been a month already. Can you believe it? Mm. Following that, Prince of Persia, the 2008 reboot, if it was indeed a reboot. Eternal Darkness, Sanity's Requiem after that. The That Game Company trilogy. It's not really a trilogy. Uh, but we're going to cover all the, their games in one episode. Sounds ambitious, given the reception to Journey. And after that, a complete change of tact with Bullet Storm. Mm. Our blog is at com. Kane and Rince is part of the Character Select Network. Come and join the discussion at characterslet.net forward slash forum. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Kane and Rince. Uh, email us at kaneandrince at gmail.com. Like us on our Facebook page, you know, Facebook slash Kane Rince. Uh, your iTunes subscriptions, reviews, and ratings are all very welcome. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, Darren. Thanks, Josh, for this Bit Trip special. Uh, my name's Leon Cox, and I'll be back next time for Metal Gear Solid. Until then, goodbye.